0: Welcome to Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online serving series. Join us this week for a special message for Love Life Adoption Week.
1: Good morning again. Thank you guys for coming out today, braving this arctic weather that we've been having. Uh, you know, this today's a special Sunday. Uh, we've been announcing it for a couple weeks now. Uh, this Love Life Adoption Week, and and here we are once again. Uh, This was actually our second adoption week uh, that began the first time we did it October 10th of 2021. Uh, You may recall that we began this venture of faith concerning one of the most important social and spiritual issues of our day, and that is the subject of abortion in America and uh, throughout the world. But before I continue, let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, as we approach this subject, Lord, we pray that you would uh, open our minds to hear and open up our hearts as well to be softened for this message. And Lord, we just we want to be able to um, be reminded of how you feel over these, this issue. We know that it's been a very... Um, Terrible thing that our culture has adopted for such a long time now. Most of us, many of us, grew up in a world where abortion was legal. And Lord, uh, you have called the church to speak up and to step out and to use their voice, Lord, the voice that you've given us to speak on behalf of those who cannot defend themselves. And so, Lord, may this be a day of encouraging, may this be a challenging message from myself and from uh, Greg Stevens as we just uh, put this, this topic out for um, a deeper understanding and, and hopefully, Lord, you will stir a, a deeper response from us in this, uh, in this message. So please go before us now. We pray this all in Jesus' precious name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now you may be thinking to yourself, you know, why are we back to this issue so soon? And you know, We just talked about this last October. It wasn't that long ago. And to that, I would respectfully say that there are many issues seeking to divert our attention away from what God sees as very important. That is the sanctity of life and the protection of the unborn. And so I believe it's important that we take advantage of the opportunity that we have living in a free nation to exercise our faith and let our voices be heard in the public square, especially because we have that freedom to do so. It would be a waste you know we 're not given freedom just to live lives um, you know that are self indulgent as christians we're given this freedom God has provided we don 't know how long it's going to last honestly, and He has provided it to us so that we might be useful for the kingdom and that 's not in any way to say that you're not i 'm just You know, this is just another aspect. I'm here to encourage you and to exhort you and me to walk by faith and to speak out. We live in a world of wars, rumors of wars, plagues. You didn't think that would happen, did you? Natural disasters, economic distress, and moral chaos, moral disintegration. It's the world that you and I were born into. And if the Lord tarries, it'll be the world that we die in as well as we Wait, our Savior's return. And we know that only Jesus' return is going to turn that around completely and decisively. We've learned from God's word that Jesus is going to show all of the nations how to govern in righteousness. But until that happens, in the meantime, we have been given a biblical principle from Jesus himself In Jesus' parable of the minas, and that is that we are to do business or to occupy until the master returns. You may be familiar with the scripture, Luke 19, 13. Jesus is telling them this parable, and it says, So the master called ten of his servants, and he delivered to them ten minas, and he said to them, Do business until I come, until I come. Now this is primarily through the Great Commission. Familiar passage. Matthew 28, 19-20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And amen for that. But notice Verse 20, it says, teaching them to observe all things. All things that he's commanded. We are to present the whole counsel of God to those who are being made disciples and we are to, to try to declare the whole counsel of God to the entire world. Now, if you still have hope, and I believe we all do, and if you still pray, and I know that we all do, that the Lord will send revival to our nation and other nations who look to him, then the the issue of systematic slaughter of babies in the womb needs to be confronted. Proverbs 14.34, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Any people. The famous abolitionist, William Wilberforce, you may know he led the anti slave movement of the 18th century in Britain. He was known for his devout Christian faith, and he died on July 29, 1833, just three days after learning that the Slavery Abolition Act, freeing almost all slaves in the British Empire, would pass through Parliament. And he has, he's highly quoted and very popular even today. A few of his quotes. One, You can choose to look the other way, but never again can you say that you never knew. Another one, it's a challenge for the church. He says, surely the principles of Christianity lead to action as well as meditation. So we're called to act. But the question comes up to you and I once again today. How can we confront the issue? How can we uh, make a difference in this crazy world that seems to be falling apart all around us? Well, it's good to understand, that, first of all, God, how he thinks about this, okay? You know, his, what he thinks about things and what he declares is the most important thing for everyone. And God has a personal hand and a specific plan for each one of us, and we need to be reminded of that. We look in Jeremiah 1.5, He writes, the prophet writes, uh, speaking for God. This is God's voice speaking through the prophet. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Before, in other words, not yet. I formed you. To be formed is to be made in the womb at conception. Okay? Life begins at conception. It says, I knew you. To be known is to be acquainted with. This is what we call divine foreknowledge of God. And this supernatural characteristic of God sort of bleeds over into us, doesn't it? Because we're made in his image and his likeness, you and I can picture a child. We can picture a child, uh, a son or a daughter or a grandchild or a sister or a brother we can picture a child and what he or she might be like and how we would be as parents or family members. You know, we're given that that vision, if you will, of a child in the womb, and that sort of comes into us and it kinda of, the, the, the fact that we're made in God's image and we, we share in his likeness to a degree, even though sin has, has done a terrible thing, we are often we can still relate to how God feels. When you see somebody's pregnant, and you, can, you, you picture and you pray over that child, perhaps, if you're, if you're a Christian, I know you do. And you pray for their health, and you pray for all the things that will happen. Because you know that God has a plan for them. And so you share with the Lord that sense. And he says, before you were born, I sanctified you. Before you were born, in other words, to come out or come forth, life now outside of the womb. He says, before that happened, I sanctified you. And those who support abortion can no longer deny that the unborn are simply a clump of cells. The technology will not allow it. The science will not allow it. Instead, they will seek to assert that personhood is when life really matters, and that actually doesn't happen until birth. You know, the personhood of a person. This is, all, this is just a silly uh, semantics, a play on words to make excuses. This is obviously not supported by God's word or science. Unborn babies experience pain and distress just like a person. They feel it. And he says, before you were born, I sanctified you, I set you apart, I prepared you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations." Now this is specific to this Jeremiah. It was specific to him. I set, I ordained you, I appointed you a prophet, a genuine spokesman for God. You might argue that this was specific to Jeremiah, like we just said. You can't apply this across the board of humanity, can you? Well, not in the specific sense of being a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah in some 600 BC, no. But God wants everyone to know his salvation. You guys know that. We know that. 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he's long-suffering towards us. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In the Old Testament, Ezekiel 33.11, Say to them, again through another prophet, the Lord says, Say to them, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn away, turn from his way and live, repent, turn turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? In other words, there's hope if you will repent. But if not, Luke 13, 5, Jesus said it very plainly. He says, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now why does God want everyone to know of his salvation? So that he can fulfill his plan and purpose through us, through a person. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, again, that foreknowledge, that, we should walk in them. So the true prophet Jeremiah was calling his nation to repentance. And some would call him a true patriot. And there are many today, even us, who are calling our nation to repentance, including us, to repentance. Charles Jefferson wrote that true patriotism isn't blind to sin. He says, he, Jeremiah, loved his country so passionately that he was willing to die for it as a traitor. He loved his country so intensely that he would not leave it even after Jerusalem was in ruins. Warren Wiersbe writes, he says, imagine a patriot like Jeremiah being called a traitor. Yet many a courageous leader who has dared to expose the lies and call a nation to repentance has been called a traitor and publicly accused. You won't go far on our social media, will we? When we stand for righteousness, not without being attacked by robots. (laughs) Wiersbe goes on, he says, A true Christian patriot isn't blind to the sins of the nation, but seeks to deal with those sins compassionately and realistically. And that's important for all of us. We don't want to be the ugly face of Christianity out there yelling at people, not caring and not being compassionate. But Jesus and, both excuse me, both Jesus and Jeremiah were true patriots when it came to giving an honest diagnosis of the diseases of what we would call the body politic. And boy, is it sick. And offering... The only correct solution, you see, Jeremiah and Jesus didn't heal the wounds of the people slightly and then say, oh, peace, peace. You know, that wasn't their message. They both recognized that a nation's greatest problem is not unemployment, inflation, a lack of defense. It is sin. And the nation that doesn't deal with sin is wasting time and resources trying to solve national problems. We just keep printing money in this nation. And these are only symptoms of a deeper problem, which is sin. Another example of what God takes personal, and it's good to know how God sees things, as expressed by King David in Psalm 139. We read that earlier. It says in Psalm 139, verse 13, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. Again, perfect knowledge. And by the hand of God formed each and every person in this place, um, your mother's womb, in, in in a safe place, if you will. And so David says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. You see, David praised God for making him so astoundingly complex. And when we study our human body, and we study biology and physiology, it is amazing, it is amazing what God has done. And you didn't have to have a microscope to tell that. So much in agreement with God, because he was a man after God's own heart, and by no means perfect, that he can respond with praise and adoration. You see, just that in itself, the fact that the Lord has given you and I life, and that we're fearfully and wonderfully made by him, and that he has a plan for us, praise and worship him for that. Honor him for that. Notice, you formed, you covered, your eyes saw my substance fearfully and wonderfully made. All people are made in his image and likeness, and we have no right outside of God's decree to simply end the lives of preborn children in order to conform to our own reasoning and choices. In verse 15, he says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. You see, David also exalted the Lord for how he watched over him in his mother's womb and skillfully wrought. Those are veins and arteries and muscles and tendons. And the lowest parts of the earth, uh, confusion over this, but really it means the safe hiddenness of the womb. And it says, your eyes saw my substance being uh, unformed. You saw my substance being yet unformed. Is pre-knowledge. Again, God is so great. He planned out all the days of our lives, beginning in the day of our conception, long before we were conceived in our mother's wombs. So you know, even before, I should say, even before we were conceived in our mother's wombs, he had already wombs, he had already planned all of our days. Herbert Leopold, an Old Testament scholar, wrote this. He says, This touches upon the deep mystery of the divine knowledge which our little minds can never begin to grasp. Think of it. Before we ever began to exist, God knew us and foresaw every day of our lives. He drafted a plan, his perfect will, for each and every one of us. And so verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If you could add up God's thoughts, David declared that he treasured God's thoughts about him. They were precious, especially valuable. Do you treasure God's thoughts of you? Sometimes you think, well, maybe God's mad at me. No, your your sins are forgiven. The Lord Jesus has paid the price. Yes, when you sin, yes, when I sin, we go before him and we ask for his forgiveness. So keep in mind that his thoughts towards you are very precious. It says in verse 18, if I should count them, They would be more in number than the sand. So you cannot count them. When I awake, I am still with you. He declared that God's thoughts about him were so great that they outnumbered the grains of sand by the sea. And this realization caused David to stand amazed at God's highly detailed plans and purpose for his time on earth. And if he closes with, when I awake, I am still with you. Every morning when he awoke, David rejoiced in God's presence with him. Every day was a fresh opportunity to walk with the Lord and to bask in his presence. It's the simple things. The fact that we were created by a mighty God creator who has a a life appointed for us beyond the grave. So these passages inform us that we were made by God for a special relationship with him. We were uniquely made in his image. We were made for eternity. God has placed eternity in our hearts, Ecclesiastes 3.11. We were all custom made by God with an individual plan for each of our lives. It only takes a few verses of scripture to recognize where God stands on the subject. Abortion's evil. And even though it's legal in many places, but God has a warning. Remember Isaiah 5.20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We know that it goes against the science. Because when you follow the science, it's a baby. And so if it's a baby, then abortion is murder. Ray Comfort wrote this, he said, life is created by God and it is not to be taken away by abortion. God is pro-choice, but he tells us clearly the only acceptable choice to make. Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, Therefore choose life that, that both you and your descendants may live. so back to the question we began how do we as Christians confront the issue of abortion? Perhaps we used to think that it was going to be solved at the ballot box and for those of you who think that this is a discussion about politics, you are so wrong I am sorry this is this is a discussion about what Greg's going to tell us is the number one issue of our time. A lot of things are happening, and like we said, we live in wars and rumors of wars, and terrible things are happening. We're well aware of that, and we pray for that. So what can we do? Well, one, we can speak up. The Bible calls on God's people and society's leaders, who he will hold accountable, both God's people and society's leaders, to speak up, defend, and rescue those who cannot protect themselves. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, it says, Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth and judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. So we are to speak up. We are also to pray up. We've been provided with an opportunity on Wednesday for fasting and corporate prayer. Why is that? Because God's people still need to learn to do right. We must. Isaiah 117 says, Learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, and plead for the widow. This isn't some woke thing. This is biblical right here. Isaiah the prophet was issuing a warning to God's people about false worship. They were hypocritical in their approach to God. They were playing church. And so Isaiah also offered a solution. Repentance followed by action. It's one thing to feel remorse and say that I'm sorry, but true repentance is demonstrated by true change. So we're to speak up, we're to pray up, and yes, we're to step up. We have also been provided an opportunity on Saturday to physically stand across the street from an abortion facility in Raleigh and Grace's going to talk a little bit more about that. You see God's people have a message of hope, but we must bring it into the light with a humble cry. God's love, mercy and grace are all part of what a believer has for their testimony. Romans 3:23, we know that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we can tell, we can testify to God's grace and mercy. Perhaps you've had an abortion or you've encouraged an abortion or you've funded an abortion. You know the Lord has made a way for forgiveness. Don't ever forget 1 John 1:9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I can assure you that we in this church are not going to sit in judgment over anyone. Our desire is that all of our lives will be continually changed by his word, working through the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. But you know the gospel is the only hope. We must be faithful to declare it. We're offering, again, another class starting tomorrow night, The Way of the Master. That's one method of evangelism. It's a very effective method. Knowing that the gospel is the only hope, and I've said it several Sundays now, we, you and I must be faithful to declare it, and it's helpful to be in a group of believers to encourage one another to do that. Social, social justice alone won't bring a change the, the change that the God promises. Stopping an abortion through a loving confrontation is good, is good, and, and you'll hear about that, but it may be only a delay, because of those soils of the heart, the rocky, the thorny and the fertile soil. Only a heart of fertile soil will see spiritual change. So only when lives are truly changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ can we see a shift in the culture. And that is where you and I come in. The Apostle Peter gave a very spirit-filled sermon in the book of Acts, which he concluded with an exhortation, Acts 22, 38-39. He said this, Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children and all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And the world has never been the same since then. And that's the world we live in. So we started this message with this question. What can we as a church, a body of Christ, do to stand against this abortion industry? How can we affect change and put an end to the legal and increasingly unrestricted abortion during our time, we've laid it out, and, and now Greg is going to come up. I'd like to, uh, if we could, I'd like to invite Greg Stevens to come up and give us uh, a message. Greg is from Love Life Raleigh. Many of you have heard him speak before. He spoke in October. But I would like to ask him to come up and continue with the, this morning's message.
2: All right. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor John. Uh, Thanks for having me. My son Johnny is with me back in the corner there, and uh, this is our second year here, so this is our father-son trip, and we really enjoy it. We feel like uh, you guys are family, so thanks for having us. Um, We really appreciate the friendship and the partnership to rescue the unborn and to see God move in this area. Um, I want to start with a video. This this video is really going to capture everything that I'm trying to communicate. So it's about five minutes, and, uh, and then I'll come up and share right after it.
3: I didn't know who Christ was until almost three years ago.
4: It was something that I believed in, but I didn't have a passion about being pro-life and standing for
0: babies. Day and age that we're living in, and all the turbulent times going on right now, uh, that wasn't a time to be a christian that was sitting on the bench
3: i learned about love life in february at the end of february i started volunteering and going out there on the sidewalk
4: january the 24th of 2021 is when we first started love life in here in southern california we
0: went to our boot camp training in february it was like well let's (laughs) let's do it
3: So I walk up, and there's nobody on the sidewalk, and I say, Lord, okay, there's only five more minutes left. And I ran over really quick, and this young, beautiful woman rolls down her window about this much, (laughs) and she said, yes. And I looked at her, and I smiled, and I said, I don't know what you are here for, but if you have missed your menstrual cycle, your baby has a heartbeat, 10 fingers and 10 toes, and I can show you what your baby looks like today. When I was young, I had an abortion. I was 21. I was pregnant the second time. I had a miscarriage, and I was devastated because I really wanted to keep the baby. And sitting there in the ultrasound with her, I told her she gave me a present that no money could ever compare. It was a blessing to see a baby on an ultrasound because I didn't get that on my first. And I got to hear a heartbeat because I never found one with my second baby. It was a Thursday and I said, tomorrow is Good Friday. Would you like to go to church with me on Easter? And she said, yeah, that would be nice. We went to church, we sat together, and at the very end when Pastor Jack did the altar call, It was so beautiful. She got up. A woman I just met about a week in front of an abortion clinic is now choosing not only life for her baby, but eternity with the Lord. I found out that I was pregnant at three months. I already had in my head, like, I wanted someone to change my mind or give me some type of hope or something before I go in there. I was just, like, so excited. Like, I just wanted to tear up a little bit. I was just so happy to see a life moving in me. I just knew in my heart that I was keeping her. Because that day, like, I called everyone. I was like, I'm keeping my baby. I don't care what anyone thinks, I'm keeping her.
4: <laughs> receiving a, a text message that not only was a baby saved, but a, a mom is now a part of the family of God.
3: I remember when Anna called and told me, and her, I think her exact words were, it was an amazing
4: day of grace. We had a, a gender reveal party for her. We had a baby shower for her. The word got to me that she's being baptized by Pastor Jack, and, and she, wa- she wants you to be there, to be a part. It's a, t- a moment I'll never forget. As she came out of the water, just the laughter and, and realized, thank you, Jesus. Were we just a part of
0: like a miracle, a life being saved? And then more stories start happening and more women start getting saved. This happened last week and this happened yesterday. In
3: Riverside, in Corona. I
0: pray to the God of heaven and earth, watch Him work and then we will see revival in our land.
3: I pray that love life will spread faster than the wildfires we have here in California. And I want it to be a revival.
4: God calls us to do things that we think are impossible because God wants to stretch you. He wanted to stretch me.
3: You see, God start to change your life, even if you're not looking for it. Lord is moving her. He is using her. She's even actually gone out and is now counseling and trying to encourage other girls to keep their babies. I know God is moving in her life, and He's not going to stop. Just looking at baby names, I see Namara, and I'm like, oh, I never, that's a nice name. It also means grace of God. So I was just like, oh, she's my little grace of God. So that's why I chose her name. I don't want to just have these beautiful young women at these clinics choose life for their baby. I want to walk in life with them. And this is why love life has just changed me. But I know the Lord's hands is in it because he's changed my heart a heart of stone into a heart of flesh.
2: Isn't that encouraging? Just a holistic ministry. Amen. So God is working. God is moving. And this is what is happening in our country right now. Uh, That's a trophy of grace right there. That is God working in and through, not love life, but just the local church being the local church. And you see every part of the body of Christ being used, from the sidewalks all the way to the local church, to the pastors, to the mentors, to the... Person that throws the baby shower, right? You don't want me throwing the baby shower, (laughs) but I'll stand on street corner for you. Um, So just a holistic approach. So I want to share with you guys just the vision, the mission of Love Life. The mission of Love Life is we are uniting and mobilizing the local churches to create a culture of love and life that will bring an end to the abortion crisis and the orphan, orphan care crisis. We're not trying to reduce abortion. We want God to end it. Amen? You can go to the the next slide. So this is a time for the church to respond. We're not just going to simply vote in victory on this one. The church, not politicians, will end abortion. God has called the church to shape the culture, and the politicians and the legislation will follow. The government and politicians are downstream from culture. God has called the church to swim upstream and change the culture. You can go to the next slide. Um, We're wanting to change the culture in such a way that abortion-minded moms and dads are running to the local church rather than to the abortion clinic to get help and to get hope. So what are we looking at here in our country? This is the tragic truth of abortion in the United States. Abortion is the leading cause of death in the United States, not just the United States but the whole world. The number one killer of people made in the image of God is not cancer, it's not heart disease, it's not drugs, it's not it's not war, it's not COVID. It's abortion. Abortion is the leading cause of death for people made in the image of God. If you got a birthday, you're a survivor. Think about that. And we all know there's no such thing as an unwanted child. God wants every single one of them to have hope, to have a home, to be loved, to have a life. Abortion is the leading cause of death. So we're looking at anywhere between 800,000 to 1 million abortions every year in the United States. And these are just the reported ones because not every state has to report their numbers the same way. That's about 17,000 abortions every week. That's about one abortion every 30 to 40 seconds. Think about that. In some states, abortions are allowed all the way up to birth. One in four women in our country will have abortion in their past. 25% of the women in our country have abortion in their past. And we know every baby has a daddy as well. This is a man's issue also, right? Right? That when a man, when a young man, when a boyfriend will rise up and take responsibility, not just for himself, but his girlfriend or his wife, oftentimes she'll choose life. If he'll just provide and protect and partner with her, she'll choose life. When they do interviews with moms after they get uh, abortions, a lot of the times they say, look, if he would have just stepped up and and said, yes, let's keep this baby, I would have done it. So they just feel alone They feel abandoned. Unfortunately, they also ask them what their religious affiliation is, and up to 54% will identify as a Christian. Now, we know that doesn't make you a Christian just because you say you're a Christian, but many of them will say they've been in church within the past month. So this is just a commentary on the American Christian culture. If you add Roman Catholic statistics in there, 73% would identify or affiliate with a Christian brand or background. So that's where we're at. This is the brokenness. This is our country. This is our time. This is our community. This is our mission field. Uh, But we're seeing God change the culture. You can go to the next slide. Love life is seeing God move. And this is not a ministry of shame and condemnation. This is a ministry of healing And restoration. We're not out to protest or picket or harass or shame or judge. We're seeing God rescue people. And we believe in the power of the gospel before, during, and after abortion, right? So we also know if one in four women have abortion in their past, that means there are women in the pews that maybe they haven't been forgiven yet, or maybe they're forgiven, but not fully free. Right? walking in the freedom that Christ gives them. So we also provide and encourage women to get plugged into post-aborted Bible studies and, uh, and get free and allow what the enemy means for evil, allow God to use that for ministry and opportunity. So we're not out there cursing the darkness, we're bringing the light, amen? You don't turn off the darkness, you just turn on the light. Um, so we're seeing God, heal hearts. We are seeing the, the heart of God for marriage, family, and children being restored one life at a time. You can go um, to the next slide. So here's the rebuilding that's taken place. In the past five years with Love Life, we've seen over 3,600 families choose life. In that time, um, Pastor John mentioned that Wednesday is a a corporate day of prayer and fasting. And then we've got the Saturday morning prayer walk. On Wednesdays in Charlotte, where Love Life was started, they've seen a 70% drop in their abortions on that day of prayer and fasting. So God is honoring the prayer. God is honoring the fasting and saying, I'm putting fruit on this. I'm putting, I'm putting measurable statistics on this to encourage you to keep it up, to keep praying, to keep fasting. Um, just this year, we crossed 103,000 people coming out to pray on Saturday mornings over those five years. And it started with just a handful of people, 20 to 30 people praying in 2016. And now 100,000 people have come out. Over 500 partnering churches, and that's the mission, that there would be adoptive churches all around the area for these moms and dads to not just choose life, but to be absorbed into the kingdom of God, to be discipled, to be mentored, right? We know the gospel changes the heart, but discipleship and mentorship changes the home and the family and the culture, right? We've seen 30 abortion workers leave the industry. I do ministry in Chapel Hill. The director of that clinic has stepped out and she's speaking on behalf of life now. And you can, you can look her up on, on YouTube. It's amazing. It's awesome. You know, God's inside those clinics too, working on hearts, Um. And then we've also seen over 3,000 people connect beyond just the prayer walks. The prayer walk is just a low-pressure, safe way to come out where everybody can pray, right? That's, we all have the spiritual gift of prayer. <laughs> we all have that. We can all do that. Not everybody's called to stand on the sidewalks and hand out flyers. Not everybody's called to mentor or throw baby showers, but we can all pray, right? So the prayer walks are designed so that we can all participate, but it's from those prayer walks that the Holy Spirit stirs up hearts and people say, I want to do more. I'd like to serve here. I'd like to serve there. And over 3,000 people have gotten involved. So this is a prayer movement. This is a prayer ministry. Jesus said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So God has given us power, influence, and victory through prayer. Prayer is the work. One more short video right after this and then we'll begin to wrap it up with some some application.
0: can do something. Everyone can do something. It's not right for one pregnancy care center to shoulder the burden. It's not right for one church to shoulder the burden. He's called the body of Christ to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We need to pray, church. This is a spiritual battle that must be fought with spiritual weapons. I'm gonna encourage you to make this part of your daily prayer rhythm. I'm gonna challenge you to take a day of the week to pray and to fast. Take a meal to pray and to fast. This is the greatest moral issue of our time. It deserves our attention. It deserves our prayers. It deserves our focus. It's time for God's people to come out of the closet about what we believe and to take a bold stand for godliness. There was a young girl that was out on the sidewalk that day when that mom came for an abortion. And God used a young girl said yes to jesus and she was out there being faithful to king jesus to hurt to turn the heart of that mom around to begin loving her child and make the choice for life so i'm speaking to the young generation i'm speaking to the older generation and everybody in between everyone can do something Acts 17 26 tells us this that god picked the time and the place in which we would live you had no say where you were gonna be born or the time period in which you were gonna be born. God decided that for you. But what you must decide in this moment is how you're going to live in that time and in that place. How are you going to live? How will you be remembered? What story will you tell when you get to heaven and you sit around the marriage supper of the Lamb? What will be your testimony that you will give? We have one life to live, church. Let it be about building His kingdom and not ours.
2: All right, so some of those um, shots were actually from the Raleigh location. Uh, those of you that have been out there, uh, that's what the prayer walk looks like um, at, at different locations, but that's what's coming up this Saturday. So, um, so this is Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's Adoption Week. And the way that Love Life works is we have 40 weeks of life from February to November. 39 weeks representing the life in the womb and then a 40th week celebration, right? Where we invite all the churches to come out that week. But 40 weeks of life and we ask one local church to adopt one of those weeks. So imagine with me now 40 different churches that year hearing, praying, and fasting coming out and standing for life and interceding and allowing God's Spirit to move their hearts. Imagine how that changes the culture to life, to love. Imagine how that's bringing the light out, right? That's what God is doing. And so this week is your adoption week, and today is your here component right? And this this little method's taken right out of the book of Nehemiah, chapters one and two. If you remember, Nehemiah was called to uh, to be a leader, but Jerusalem was broken down. The walls were broken down. The city was broken down. And Nehemiah heard about it. That was the first thing he heard about the ruin and the wreckage. And his heart was broken. And then what did he do? Just get busy? No, he didn't. Second thing is he prayed and he fasted and he sought God. And then God opened up a door for Nehemiah to go and see the wreckage and the ruin and the brokenness with his own eyes. And then when he saw it for himself, God used him to mobilize the troops and to connect God's people to begin to rebuild. And that's what the week represents. Four simple parts. Hear, pray, go, and connect. Today you're hearing about the tragic truth of abortion, the brokenness, the ruin, the wreckage. Wednesday we're asking you as a, as a community of God's people to, to pray and to fast and to cry out to God that he would bring an end to it locally. And then Saturday morning is your mission trip. Your short-term two hours. Well, when you get there, it's about two hours. Your mission trip of prayer, where you stand on the front lines and you just intercede and you bring the love of Christ and you pray and you trust God. We believe that God through your prayers um, is going to um, not only save lives, but rescue entire families. And then from that prayer walk, if God stirs your heart, we want to be an an avenue where you can get plugged in and connected. There's post-abortive care, there's adoption, there's mentoring, there's sidewalk counseling, there's prayer warriors that come out every Saturday, there's ways to give financially, there's all a whole gamut of ways that you can get plugged in. So we're asking you... um, to partner with us. Go ahead and to the next slide. So we're calling you to action. This is 1 John 3. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us, and we ought to also lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. And not love with word and speech, but with action actions, and in truth. So this is where we put feet to our faith, right? This is where we put our compassion into action, and we're doers of the word, and not just hearers only. So we're asking you to come and pray. We're asking you to show up and to pray up. And um, you know, the, the ministry, the vision of the ministry is kind of the story of the Good Samaritan. If you remember when Jesus said, love your neighbor, and someone said, well, who's my neighbor, right? Wanting to justify his lack of love for certain people. Jesus could have picked any story to, to talk about how to love your neighbor, but he actually chose a story about victimhood, violence, and even different ethnic backgrounds, if you think about it, with the Good Samaritan, right? Right? A guy is beaten up, he's a victim of violence, left in a ditch to die, and the priest and the Levite, those who knew God and were probably the most qualified, ignored him and walked on by. They were the hearers of the word. They probably memorized more scripture than we've read, right? Um, and they ignored him. And then the Samaritan, right, they would have called him the half-breed, shows up, probably didn't look the part. Maybe his theology was a little, eh. He actually had compassion on the man, and he was a doer of the word. And he reached down, and he helped the man, but he didn't do it all. He transferred the man to the inn. Remember, he took him to the inn, and it was there he stayed, and he told the innkeeper, hey, Um, if he needs to stay an extra amount of time, I'll pay you back, right? You don't say, I'm going to pay you back to a stranger. You say that to someone you have trust with. So there was a relationship between the Samaritan and the innkeeper. And so he wasn't just lifted out of the ditch, but he was healed and restored. And that's the holistic approach of the church, the two-handed approach. The Samaritans on the front lines transferring these young families into the kingdom of God into the local church where they can be fully healed, mentored, and encouraged, right? Go ahead and go to uh, the next slide. Thank you. So we're asking, you don't have to read all that, but we're asking you to come out and just pray. We're not protesting. We're not picketing. We're not activists. We're not wacktivists. We're not out there. We're, we're not asking you to hold a sign or say anything to anybody but God. It's a, it's a safe time to come out as a church And just pray. There's going to be already people out there ministering, and it's public property, so there's different people out there. We're just asking you to come out and pray and see. And so we ask that you would just um, look at our our code of conduct, which is, I'm sure you guys are totally fine with, but it just asks that you would just be there to pray and not engage any of the moms going in. Go ahead and go to the next slide. So to believe is to commit. Now, you guys have a vision book um, on your seat. And this, this vision packet explains everything that I've gone through, but I do want to point out one thing. In the back here, there's a commitment card, okay? And there's also a QR code in the front. We're asking that everybody would sign up, would commit. If possible, we're asking you to sign up online, because what we want to do is we want to email you all the details, the directions, and all the prayer points for Wednesday. So there is a QR code in there you can scan with your phone. And I noticed you also made an announcement that there's a sheet in the back, right, if they want to sign up. So if that's the easiest route for you, totally cool. There's a sign-up sheet in the back. Um, if you do want to fill out the uh, the commitment card, just fill it out, rip it out, and then put it on the table in the hallway here. I'll be there after service, and I will... I'll put all that in the computer for you so I can get you signed up electronically that way. And you can get everything you need. So next slide. Okay, so there's lots of testimonies. There's lots of stories like that first video we watched of Alicia. There's all kinds of ways to hear and see how the ministry is growing, especially through the Calvary chapels, which is super exciting. Uh, You know, guys, 21 years ago, I got to sneak this one in. 21 years ago, I was a drunk atheist and I stumbled into a Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas. And I sat there Sunday after Sunday with a hangover, totally an unbeliever. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And God got a hold of my heart on Father's Day, June 18th, the year 2000, and I've never been the same. I'm a brand new person. Never underestimate. The power of God through a Calvary Chapel, just teaching the word of God, line upon line, verse upon verse. You never know who's going to come in those doors and sit in the back seat on a Sunday morning. And God's going to flip the switch on. So I just want to encourage you guys because I got a special place in my heart for Calvary Chapels. But um, so you can hear testimonies and this Wednesday... Please pray and fast, however that works for you. Looking for, I'll be there Saturday. If you guys come out, would love to see you. And um, so thankful that you had us. Let me end with a quote from Francis Schaefer. Francis Schaeffer said this. He's, a, he's an old uh, philosopher, Christian philosopher and apologist. He said, every abortion clinic needs a sign posted in its front yard that says, open by permission of the local church. This is our responsibility, guys. Let's pray this thing away. Amen? Let's see the Lord defund this thing. And, uh, and so Saturday, come and occupy the devil's front porch, and let's just pray this thing away. Amen? Thanks for having us, guys. God bless you.
0: Thank you for joining us today for Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us next week as we continue through the Bible, book by book, verse by verse, line by line. God bless.